You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone. I am Matt Williamson. This is a Locked On NFL podcast. And as we do every Sunday night, bring in three of the dudes from around the Locked On Network. We're going to talk to the hosts of Locked On Panthers. We're going to talk to the hosts of Locked On Seahawks, host of Locked On Chiefs. Lots to talk about. And we talked to Bill Rossetti last week, but man, the Panthers are an interesting team. I wanted to talk further about this. Bill, what, what what's going on, man? Not much, man. Yeah, definitely glad to be back on with you another week. Uh, it's been a fun ride so far with the Panthers. So yeah, definitely exciting to talk more about them this week. Yeah, for sure. Um, big picture, how would you put a grade on Cam's season overall? Uh, I'd have to give it an A, I think. Yeah. Uh, you really are seeing him really gel with North Turner's offense. Uh, you're really seeing him really expand the ball to a lot of the receivers and really just continue to move the football effectively. He's really He really hasn't made too many mistakes all season. Um, you know, this is the sixth straight week that he's thrown at least two touchdown passes. So he, he's really been the catalyst of this offense. This is one of his best seasons yet, I think. You know, even one of the players was quoted today saying this feels like 2015 and you know we all know what happened in 2015 so that's saying something yeah without question um yeah I, I feel like he's doing more by doing less making better decisions yeah. t- taking the easy throws when they're there I feel mm-hmm. like he really is trusting a good set of weapons particularly McCaffrey but not exclusively absolutely um yeah, a lot of checkdowns to McCaffrey, but definitely getting guys like uh, Jairus Wright. You know, I've I've mentioned his name quite a lot on the podcast because I, I've always said I've been really impressed with the way he stepped up this season uh, as kind of their big free agent signing. Really been their chain mover, and then you look at today, DJ Moore kind of had this coming out party. He had five yeah, I was going to bring him up. <laughs> What's that? I was going to bring him up. Yeah, he's yeah, absolutely very so, impressive. I mean, he, he, He's done a nice job just spreading the ball to to everybody. Like you said, it's he's not just focused on one person. It's not just McCaffrey. It's not just Funches. It's a whole host of receivers getting involved, and that's really what's made this offense so effective over the last couple of weeks and really all season. Yeah, I 100% agree. And maybe he's not the player he once was, but I do think Olsen, at his age, at his trustworthiness, even if it's just in Cam's mind, pays dividends in itself too it really does um you, you still see they have that great connection Olsen had that touchdown I I believe it was right before halftime that Olsen had his touchdown catch um so like you said you just have that connection they have they just have that camaraderie that they've had for years uh, it, it's not as effective like you said as it may have been in years past but it doesn't have to be you no know, right how effective Everybody else has been, there's less pressure on Greg Olson to be that guy. I mean, even looking at the other tight ends, Ian Thomas has a couple catches and helps move the ball. Even Chris Manhurts gets involved from time to time. So Greg Olson isn't what he once was, and that's because of the injuries, but he doesn't have to be what he once was, and that's okay. You know, he's he's doing just fine. Yeah, and, and funny because 
The other old timer in the in the offense of note is Norv Turner, and yeah, you t- you talk about an old dog, you know, doing some new tricks. I thought he was going to be drop back, you know, Phil Rivers, Troy Aikman, seven step drops, drive the ball down the field, and I didn't know that this would work out all that well. But he has certainly changed his spots. Uh, that was always like one of my questions during the off season too: is how is Norv Turner? Old school guy, like you said, going to mesh with a guy like Cam Newton because he really hadn't worked with a quarterback the caliber of Cam Newton. It was always that drop back, stay in the pocket type quarterback. He never really worked with this big time mobile quarterback like Newton, but he's really done a nice job incorporating Newton's mobility and his throwing skills along with you know kind of his own recipes to really really bring out what you see, you know, your downfield throws to guys like Funchess and uh, DJ Moore, your, your check downs and your screens to McCaffrey. He, he's mixing it all together. You know, it, it's, he's really been concocting such a great offense. You know, he, I, I don't know if he's been getting enough credit, but he, he really deserves credit for being able to perfectly mesh old school versus new school. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. The one other offensive note I wanted to make and just kind of ask you about is from what I saw, they had a hard time running the ball, especially up the middle. And I think that's probably more about the Ravens than the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens, I think they were the number two rush defense or something like that. Yeah. I, they were very highly ranked uh, against the run coming into this game. So we knew it was going to be a tough sled because – you know, ball, that that was really how Baltimore was getting by. That that front seven is was playing outstanding. So they really hadn't, like like you said, they had a tough time moving the ball, especially up the middle. Uh, I mean, the one play McCaffrey got kind of lucky. He runs right into the back of one of the linemen, but is able to bounce it to the outside. So you know, credit them to for getting McCaffrey involved in different ways. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about how effective, how better McCaffrey has become in running between the tackles. This was just one of those games that they kind of had to move away from that a little bit or yeah. kind of find find something else that worked, and that's exactly what happened. They, they found another piece that worked. On the other side of the ball, I mean, we know more than any other team, this team is, this defense is built around their linebackers and especially Keekly. But I thought they, and Keekley again, you know, at the top of the ladder, was outstanding today. I mean, that's a recurring theme, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's almost like there's never a week where you say, wow, well, Luke Keekley had a terrible week. This is just constant. Right. You know, he's, or he didn't show up this week. Back. You know, I mean, he's everywhere. He he really is. Um, you know, he, he just continues to put up strong numbers. But um, I also say that Shaq Thompson had himself mm-hmm. a very nice game too. So I mean, you're right. It's it's it, Keekley's the leader, but it is that whole group of linebackers as a whole. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm repeating my words, but it's the whole group of linebackers really that really makes this defense go. You know, it, it's mostly Keekley, but Shaq Thompson, like I said, was all over the place today. You know, and even Thomas Davis, the ageless wonder, just can, continues to make plays. So th- those three are are definitely the leaders. You know, it's really nice. It was funny, too. I was watching the game, and they showed the list of active 
active players in the NFL as as far as like the leading tacklers and five of the top six played in that game. Three of them are the the three Panthers linebackers. So that's just kind of oh wow, knowing how effective. Yeah, really. You have those three. You had Eric Weddle and you had. I forget who the other player was. It was someone from the Ravens, but it just blows your mind how effective these three are together. Yeah, they really are. And another guy that I'm happy is doing well, because I don't think what the NFL did to him was right. I think the acquisition of Eric Reed's really paying off. Yeah, I mean, I've stayed away from, you know, the whole political reasons. I mean, listen, Anybody who has followed football and has followed these stories know why Eric Reed was essentially held out of the league for as long as he did. But he's still a talented player, and um, you know, for and for those that haven't really been following, uh, Eric Reed has continued to kneel during the national anthem. So it's not like he's stopping just because he knew he was out of the league for a while. He's still doing what he's doing. But he's playing good football, and that's what I care about. He's playing good football. <laughs> right, yeah. And, you know, and like we talked about last week, he's really elevated that secondary, and you, you can just feel that even guys like Bradbury and Dante Jackson, just having a guy like Eric Reed there seems to have elevated their play as well. So, yeah, Eric Reed, you know, for missing the first few games of the season – has really stepped in and just picked up this defense so quick. It's, it's like he he never missed a beat. Yeah, Bill, I, I want to tell everyone about my bookie here, but in real quick, do you agree? And this doesn't take anything away from the Panthers' victory, but I didn't think it was a very I didn't think it was a very well played game by the Ravens. You know, penalties, self inflicted wounds. They didn't look like they were at their best. Joe Flacco was a mess in yes, this one. Yeah, I mean. The, the interception to Mike Adams was just a poorly thrown ball. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but that there there's something with that offense, you know. And injuries were banged up too, you know. They didn't have James Hurst, um, so they were missing a little piece there on the offensive line. But yeah, this this was far from Joe Flacco's best performance, and you you can tell that the uh, that I, I don't want to fully say like the wheels are falling off, but you yeah, know, the, time was, to worry. It's it's definitely time to worry. You know, you started off pretty strong. Now you're four and four. You're look you're you're looking up at the Steelers who have gotten hot over the last couple of weeks. The Bengals held off the Buccaneers. You know, and they're sitting in the playoff spot right now. So, and you've already lost to the Bengals too. So you're right. you're in a bit of a hole right now if you're the Ravens. You've got to pick things up a little bit. You, you've got to get that offense fixed and quick. Or you're in trouble. Yeah, and they get the Steelers coming to town next week, which, yep. I mean, if Pittsburgh wins that one, then you're really in a hole. And Bill, then they have Cincinnati. So oh, nice. yeah. Yeah, you're right. Bill, Bill, where can everyone find you on Twitter and whatnot? And then I want to tell everyone about our buddies at MyBookie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bill underscore Rossetti on Twitter, R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E, uh, Panthers Wire, Bengals Wire, and, of course, Locked On Panthers Podcast. Yeah, great stuff. Hey, Guys, I, as you guys know, I've been telling you about my bookie for a long time. I did pretty well there this today, I must say. Uh, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. And as I mentioned, they've been great to me. And I think they're a phenomenal service. So that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting. You know, if you looked at your Ravens today and said, boy, they don't look like they have it. I'm going to put a couple bucks on the Panthers. I mean, you'd be pretty happy right now. 
they got over-unders for fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the business. The thing is, they're doing such good work that they're just slammed with new betters. So they want to give everyone the best possible service available. So if you're willing to wait till after 7 o'clock Eastern, if you're listening to this Sunday night, go do it now. They'll give you an, a, a, an additional $25 for free on deposits over 100 bucks. And of course, they will match your deposit dollar for dollar if you join now as well. So all you got to do is use our promo code Locked On Twenty Five, Locked On Two Five, all one word. That activates the offer. So visit my bookie online today. And again, if you're willing to hold out till after seven, you get an extra twenty five free bucks. So why wouldn't you? So again, use our promo code Locked On Twenty Five. All right, as promised, we are going to talk Seahawks. We brought on Spike Friedman. He's a host of Locked On Seahawks. And Spike and I were just chatting before I hit record. Seahawks, no one seems to be talking about them. You know, we, we said a couple things like, maybe this Pete Carroll guy still is a pretty good coach. And I was really, really down on this team. I, I'm going to come clean, you know, in the, in the off season. But all of a sudden, Spike, like you said, they're sneaky interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's the perfect way to encapsulate what is happening there. I, if you look at this team, they've been so bad up front over the last couple of years, and now they're suddenly pretty good at pass blocking, and this Russell Wilson guy knows how to play if he gets a little bit of time. And on the other side of the ball, you've got a secondary where you can't name any of the guys who are playing if you're not a Seahawks fan. Maybe you know Bradley McDougal, maybe you know Shaq Griffin, but Pete Carroll got that backfield, that defensive backfield, playing incredibly well, given the caliber of talent they've lost. Two Hall of Famers, another All-Pro. I mean, it, it, it's pretty exciting, actually, right now in Seattle. It is. And you think about it, and boy, you think about next year, the year after, when they're, while they're, you know, these guys even develop further, and they add a couple more higher picks. And I mean, maybe I'm jumping the gun. Maybe they're not going to pick very high. Like we said, they're pretty darn good. Um, like you said, led by Russell Wilson, though, and I don't want to say he was neutered a little earlier, and I also don't think that he was healthy. He just wasn't running as much, but man, this looked like the guy we've all kind of known and loved, and he was so sharp from the beginning, I mean, especially I mean, as a passer. Yeah, I mean, he had a perfect passer rating today. Oh, did he really? I mean, yeah, yeah. First time, first time in his career, he managed to pull that off, and he did it on only seventeen passes. He was fourteen for seventeen, around two hundred and fifty yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers, and I mean a lot of that credit to the offensive line. But he was hitting receivers in windows that are tiny. I mean, if you look at what Pat Mahomes or what Jared Goff do. They're not throwing into windows that are smaller than a yard or two. No. Wilson was fitting balls into just very, very tight spaces over and over again. And that's Wilson at his absolute best. And what it's coming down to is he's suddenly confident he's not going to get destroyed. Now, the question going forward is, can they keep it up when they play elite edge rushers? They haven't faced one in a while, and when mm, they did point. earlier in the year, like you were saying, things weren't going great. When they played against Vaughn Miller or a fully healthy Khalil Mack, there were some pretty serious issues up front. Last few weeks, though, this pass blocking unit is as good as any in the league, and Russell Wilson's performance has really surged because of that. Yeah, I mean, just to talk about the other team for a minute, too, like you said, I thought the coverage was really good, you know, against the Seahawks. I thought moving Harrison was a real problem, but they still ran the ball really well and were really crisp. 
Yeah, I mean, I was very worried about that Damon Harrison acquisition. Coming into this game, the Lions were, what, 30th in DVOA against the run, pretty much bottom of the pack. And so adding a guy like Damon Harrison, who is one of the three or four best run defenders in the league, it felt like a problem. And early in the game, it felt like when he was on the field and we ran the ball, it was a very different game than when he was off the field. Obviously, they were rotating him as they're bringing him into up to speed with their playbook. Uh, but you know, once things got going, it didn't really matter. Chris Carson was excellent on the ground. Mike Davis was effective. Russ kept the ball a couple times. We did just enough, uh, just enough running of Russell Wilson to open up the rest of the playbook. And the play action pass was devastating. I mean, he had a deep ball to David Moore that was just unbelievable. He had Ed Dixon on a third and one for an explosive pass. I mean, it was everything was working for Russ through the first three quarters of the game. And then after that, they were just salting it away. Yeah, you mentioned David Moore. He's another guy that like no one's talking about that's an interesting dude. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that seventh round last year for the Seahawks, they drafted both David Moore and Chris Carson. And, you know, you can talk about John Schneider's drafts not being as good as they've been in the past, and that's absolutely true. But to pick up two real offensive weapons, and in Moore, you've got a physical receiver. He's got size. He can run routes. His catch radius is decent. We haven't seen a lot of weaknesses from him. I don't know that he's masterful at getting separation yet, but when you've got Wilson at peak accuracy, he doesn't doesn't need a lot of separation to be very effective and he's a perfect complementary piece to the two receivers people do know in Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett Baldwin obviously that slot possession guy Lockett the stretch the field option more fits in perfectly as that third piece and it's really changing the Seahawks offense to have Baldwin healthy and have more emerge as a as a consistent really really good player I mean he's racking up touchdowns right now and a guy who hasn't been consistent that I've always liked is Lockett. You know, so the three of them together have a pretty differing skill set. But when you looked in, you know, earlier in the season, I'm like, man, Russell Wilson doesn't have much to throw to with Baldwin banged up, but now he does. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge difference. And it's also, look, we were down on Brian Schottenheimer early in the year. It felt like every play he was calling was the wrong situation. And for my taste, he's still... Loves a run on second and nine for reasons that defy <laughs> rationality. But I will say he's really moved to to leveraging the play-action game. It seems like he's discovering as he coaches Russell Wilson how good Russell Wilson is with his ball fakes and how important that can be to opening up space for him. Uh, you know, he's obviously he's a shorter guy. He can drop back, and he's a very effective pocket passer at this point in his career. But he's so devastating off of play-action. And the percentage of play action they're calling, it's going up every week. And the effectiveness of the passing game, it's going up with it every week. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because one of my notes here is their play action game is really starting to click. It's an improved offensive line. There's a clear dedication to the run game. They won the time of possession battle here handily. I mean, there's, there's clearly a formula in place. And that goes back to Carroll. Yeah, I think it absolutely does. They're playing Pete Carroll football. And there, there, there's elements of the fan base that are maybe a little over Pete Carroll football. I mean, you see what Sean McVay's doing. You see what Andy Reid's doing. And you maybe want a dynamic offense around Russell Wilson that's doing a lot of stuff. Now, mind you, we're throwing in jet sweeps. We're starting to bring in the play action in new and interesting ways. So we're adding a little bit of those elements, but we're not moving to like a 60-40 pass-run ratio. Pete's never going to do that. But what Pete is going to do is he's going to preach – 
not turning the ball over. He's going to preach, you know, running the ball well to set up explosives. When a Pete Carroll-led offense is going well, it has explosives in it. And he's going to be one of the best defensive backs coach is in the history of the NFL. And that means that you can have a team lose Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, and Earl Thomas, and Byron Maxwell, and Jeremy Lane, and then come out this year and be a top five defense by DVOA. That, to me, is the most stunning part of what this team has done. I mean, you can throw in Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill. This was K.J. Wright's first game of the year. Bobby Wagner missed a game earlier this year. These are superstars who are missing time. And this defense is still effective. And the Lions are pretty good on offense. They've got a great array of weapons. Yeah, and tell me if you agree with me or not, but I think that Carroll looked at this time and said, okay, our stars are moving on, getting old, up in age. It is a transition time. But this out-of-structure Russell Wilson offense that we've lived with can't, can't be the foundation anymore. Let's tear that thing down. And you talked about like an Andy Reid or McVay offense. Let's build this thing up. And to me, they're like putting brick on brick right now. And then maybe next year they'll put the pretty windows and the paint and those type of things on the house. But I feel like the thing is being built from the foundation up. Yeah, and I think that foundation is the offensive line. Yeah. Finally moving on from Tom Cable, bringing in Mike Solari, who is a good, you know, he's not Dante Scarnecchia, but he's been a very good offensive line coach at a bunch of different spots. And then bringing in some real talent. Uh, Jermaine Effetti has really evolved under Solari, but they brought in Dwayne Brown last year, who was already improving things and looks like a definite pro bowler this year at left tackle. And then they brought back J.R. Sweezy and added DJ Fluker, and they're both just run blocking incredibly well. Fluker's been the surprise high quality acquisition of the year uh, to the point where Ethan Postick got hurt and hasn't been able to get back onto the field because Sweezy and Fluker are playing so well at the guard spots. I, I mean, you're talking about a top five pass blocking unit right now that's also doing pretty well run blocking after the Tom Cable degradation of the last three, four years. It's just it's just night and day. And it really does feel like there's so much more they can do now because you don't have to throw out big chunks of your playbook because you don't know when your quarterback is going to get killed within two seconds of dropping back anymore. Right. No, I 100% agree. Um Spike, before I let you go, I'm going to tell people about Swap. But before we do, just give me three or four under-the-radar defensive players' names out there that are playing good football that the national audience needs to know about. Well, Jaron Reed is a star up front at defensive tackle. Uh, we, we snuck him in in the second round. He looked like a first-round prospect. He's playing like it. Trey Flowers has come out of nowhere to really be CB2 on this team, playing out of his mind. Barkevious Mingo's reclaimed his career as sort of a hybrid linebacker, pass rusher, sort of filling a Bruce Irvin role, but also filling in for K.J. Wright when he's been out. And then the big one is Michael Dixon, who's not a defender, but he is a punter, and he's yeah, giving he's great. Teams- yeah, he's incredible. <laughs> he's incredible, and I, right. I could say it. He's the LeBron James of punting, and he needs, as a Seahawks fan, what I need him to do is dominate Johnny Hecker when we play them again next week, sort of have it be a LeBron-Kobe moment (laughs) where he establishes himself as the league's best punter. He had a fake punt today out of our own end zone where he ran for a first down. It was one of the most insane and wonderful things I've seen in a while. Pete loved it. I loved it. So I'll throw Dixon in as that fourth young defensive name. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Spike, tell everyone where they can find you, and then I want to tell everyone about our buddies at Swap. 
Yeah, uh, I'm on the Locked On Seahawks podcast with Grant Goldberg. We're doing four episodes a week. And uh, look in the Stranger Seattle's All Weekly if you want to read some very strange write-ups of the Seattle Seahawks football season. Fun. Very fun. Um, every Thursday the last couple of weeks, I have Mike Sando on. And I've told you about Swap every Thursday. So maybe you've heard this before. But I think it's a really good product. And it's insane how much we play we pay for new brand-name clothes. Why do we buy new kids' clothes all the time if they just outgrow them in a few months? I mean, my kids are growing like weeds, and we go through clothes like crazy. So wouldn't it be great if there was a place to discover awesome discounts on gently used clothes? Well, there is. It's Swap.com. It's the largest online consignment and thrift store in the world. So stop driving to store after store and sifting through racks. You easily sift through millions of clothes in seconds on Swap.com with easy-to-use filters to find exactly what you need. And this, too, is, is kind of gets under my skin, too, that over 15 million tons of textiles are wasted each year. Shop, so shopping secondhand at Swap.com helps prevent textile waste. So, you know, I mean, that makes a heck of a lot of, it makes a, you're helping out the world here, too. So they have some wonderful brands as well. I mean, they have Nike, they have J. Crew, they have Gap, they have pretty much anything you're looking for. It's quality hand-inspected items. They're added daily. If something doesn't fit, it's hassle-free returns within 30 days. So here's what you guys do. So you go to Swap.com, you check it out, and you get 35% off your select items for your first order with our promo code. That's locked on. That's all one word, all caps. You'll find new deals every day on Swap.com's homepage. So all you got to do to save 35% is use our promo code locked on, all one word, all caps. Well, hello, we are back, and we are back with the team everyone wants to talk about. I have Ryan Tracy, host of Locked on Chiefs, on now to finish up our three-host night here on Sunday evening. Ryan, what's shaking? You know, uh, a whole lot of boots around this league, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, how good is this team? Let's just start there. You know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> depends what you want to talk about on the offensive side this this team's elite on the defensive side they're kind of a mess which one are you going to start with <laughs> your pick let, let me go positive all uh, right i think i think what you saw is that the broncos defense uh for the second game this season has given pat mahomes a lot to think about uh, and had their way with the offensive line provided a lot of, of pass rush and i think that that gives you an idea of part of the formula to try and beat him. I, I don't think the teams that have chosen to lay back uh, and, and play all kinds of eight-man coverages and things are, are really showing you a good blueprint. Um, and I okay. think really the key to beating the Chiefs is being physical and attacking them. Okay. And, and I you know, I was going to start the show by saying, why does Denver play KC so tough? Do you think that has something to do with it? I mean, it's it seemed like they kept Von Miller sort of in check, but by doing so, I mean, he has a ripple effect to everybody, and they are a pretty aggressive defense. They are, and I think they carry, especially the defense, because they relied upon so much, I think they carry the ghosts of Super Bowls past with them. They still have that reputation. They still have enough players like Harris and Miller and even Wolf that, that can deliver that kind of intensity that a team like the Chiefs, who are playing with backups at center and right guard mm-hmm. and a lot of young players, even though they, they're confident, I think there's still that, that immovable force, irresistible kind of thing, you know? I mean, I know they, they, they're going to play each other soon, but I mean, everyone's talking about a Super Bowl matchup with the Rams and Chiefs, and 
I'm sure it's crossed your mind. You know, if you were to play the Rams today, would a team like that worry you the most, you know, just because of the Donald Sue situation? Like, I'm sitting there spitballing teams that, who's going to slow this team down, if anybody, this offense? Would it be a team built like the Rams? You know, I think they can cause a lot of havoc, but mm-hmm. I don't know that they're the best apt to try and stop the Chiefs because I think... They're not a great Rick- defense. Well, right. They're good, and, and they're certainly physical, mm-hmm. um, even intimidating in the front seven, but I still don't feel that there's really anybody that's going to run with Watkins and Kelsey and Hill all day long. So yeah, right. it comes down to scheme for me. And Wade likes to be you know, aggressive, and, and a lot of people like to be aggressive, and I think that's good up front, but if you're overly aggressive in the secondary, I think this team, this Chiefs team is really set to take advantage of you. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. And you mentioned Sammy Watkins. Big day for him. I think some people rolled their eyes saying, how can you give this guy $16 million? And I said at the time, I'm like, I've been in this guy's corner. I didn't know why Buffalo got rid of him. I understood why the Rams couldn't bring him back, and clearly they had another plan in place to at least replace him. I think he's a whale of a talent. And what has he meant to this offense? Because the other three get talked about, well, the other four with Mahomes, get talked about a lot. Like, the, the guys getting the headlines seem like Mahomes, then Reed, then Hill, then Kelsey, then Hunt, then Sammy. You know, I, I don't disagree with you at all. And I, I'll tell you the one thing that comes to mind when you ask me, what has Sammy meant? And it's freedom, particularly for Hill. Having a running partner that teams have to be scared of as well has really loosened up what he's able to do. And the trio together, you take one of them away and teams are able to bracket players. They're able to take somebody out of the game plan. They're, they're able to do a lot more. But when you have to take all three of them mm-hmm. and still try to protect against the run, that it's really pick your poison at that point. So as long as they're healthy, I, I think it's, it's almost impossible to stop them. And I'm not putting the voodoo jinx on you or anything either. But if, <laughs> if one were to go down, you're still in pretty darn good shape. You really are. Uh, the, the only one that is really irreplaceable in terms of what he can bring is Hill. Uh, and it used to be just because he could burn down the field and, and folks were aware of his speed. But you see him making plays over the middle. You see him coming back to the ball and helping his young quarterback out when he does make some mistakes. Uh, I think really he's the only guy that physically you can't really replace. Uh, I think Chris Conley is, is a good third, uh, but he's yeah. not as dynamic. He's not as quick to accelerate. You know, Sammy can run some of the number one routes and be the focus. But I think you have a little bit of drop off past that. Yeah, I, I hear you. And we were about to get to the bad, but since you mentioned Tyreek Hill, I wanted to throw this out there too, that going into this game, I think the Chiefs special teams, which trust me, I don't watch special teams tape, but Football Outsiders, I think, had them ranked the highest special teams unit that they've ever graded. That's impressive. Yeah. And you know, and, and it's not just him. That's the thing. Uh, right. Tremont right, Smith right. is it's a rookie that can really bring it back as well. Really well and coached I, too. I mean, the, the whole unit. I, Right, and that's what I think it comes down to. I think the difference maker is Dave Tobe and what he's able to do with, you know, everyone's everyone talks about, hey, you know, your team is made on the back end, right? Well, Dave works with 43 through 53 every week in order to try and make a team that isn't going to put their young quarterback in a bad position, is going to try to help their defense out. I mean, it's really key to this team. It is a really a three-legged team that it relies on that special teams unit. Yeah, I don't understand why he doesn't get more talk as a, as a head coach either. 
You know, he has, and I know he got interviewed last season. Yeah. I, I'm sure he will again, but there's it's a different mentality, I think, in running a staff, and I wonder if that's the hiccup. Yeah, and maybe he doesn't. Who knows what he aspires to be? I don't know his personality, but, boy, his, his resume as a special teams coordinator is off the charts. So the defense allowed a lot of rushing yards today, but D Ford had three sacks. He's really starting to come into his own, having a, a great year that I'm not sure everybody realizes. And this defense doesn't have to even be middle of the road for this to be a great team. Right. Yeah. You get solidly into the top 20 and you're, you're probably safe, but I'd be pushing for the middle of the road myself. Right. But D has, has definitely stepped up. Uh, he is not only recovered uh, health-wise from some back issues, but he's motivated. And I think what you see from D Ford's, whose personality isn't exactly an alpha in the room, I think what you're seeing is the motivation from the contract here is really coming through. Uh, he's still physically capable, but the effort's there more mm-hmm. in the film that I've seen. And I think knowing that he is, again, like he was two seasons ago when he, when he actually had another really good season, uh, was again when Justin Houston was absent and he was able to rush from the left-hand side of the defense, that really helps him. And I think having a you couple of young really guys... You think he prefers it? I think he does. Yeah, I, okay. I think it's just more natural for him. And I think having a couple of young guys on the other side that can still draw enough attention where he can't get chipped every play, I think that's really what's paying off for him. Yeah, I always thought he was a little bit too finesse for my taste. But mm-hmm. he's really playing well. Yeah, and finesse is working, especially if you only have one guy trying to block you. Yeah, right, no doubt about it. Um other thoughts on the D? I mean, was the run defense pretty poor watching every snap? Yeah, I mean, they took a step forward last week against the Bengals, which mm-hmm. I, I would have I would have guessed would have been the opposite against a, a Mixon. I thought they'd have more trouble than against Lindsey, but, you know, everybody blocks a little bit different, and I, I think guys are still overrunning some of their assignments, a little bit more worried than they need to be, uh, a little bit of miscommunication against the run, but... You know, the run's not going to kill you all day long. So right, I think they're weak somewhere. Stuff. That's not so bad. Yeah, right. And I think the staff is considerably more worried about the pass than they are the run. So it, it kind of plays into that. They do play a lot of defensive backs on the field. And, you know, I, I think you're 100% right. And if you're going to beat us running the ball, if you're going to keep up with Patrick running the ball, best of luck. Yeah, yeah. And then they're okay to give up those yards. And I think what we've seen lately is. Uh, Fuller's transition has been a little bit iffy, but I think he's come on. I think you're seeing the other corners play decently. And I think the emergence of uh, the, the rookie, Dorian O'Daniel, is playing their kind of nickel backer guy that it can actually cover. That's been the big story the last couple of weeks. I hadn't thought of this angle, but since the trade deadline's two days away and they're clearly a contender, do you think they're looking at anyone? I know they're looking at some people. I, yeah. I've, I've talked to folks inside that they've made inquiries. I don't, don't know what they're willing to give up. Uh, Brett Veach is an aggressive guy in terms of looking for the deal, but unfortunately, you know, there was all the talk about Patrick Peterson. I know they did make a call and they had some discussions, but I just think the value was not there for the Chiefs in terms of giving up draft picks. I just don't know if anything's going to happen because I don't, I don't see the value out there. Right. I mean, if I'm Arizona and and Casey's offered me their first, I'm looking at it like I'm lucky if it's 30th. It might be 31. It might be 32. You know, you got that. You know, it's not the same as some other teams' first round pick. Exactly. I mean, it's almost and not to jinx anything, but it's almost right. the point where the Patriots picks. Right. You exactly. Know? And so I think it's more likely they move around in the second than give up a first. Okay, Ryan, you are the man. Please tell everyone where to find you, and that's pretty much going to wrap it up for our Sunday night uh, walk around the league here on the Locked On Network. 
Yeah, me and Chris Clark do the Locked On Chiefs show every day. Uh, we put it up at night in case you need it for the commute. And you can find me on RGR Football on YouTube and over at Chiefs Digest. Awesome. That's going to do it, everyone. I will have Sage Rosenfels on the show, as usual, on Tuesday. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus on Wednesday. My man Mike Sando on Thursday. And then I'll go back to my bookie and pick games on Friday. So this was a blast, everyone. Over and out. Leave us a good, good review on iTunes as well. See ya.